Well, hello, folks, and or welcome to We the Peeps. This is, of course, of course it is, the American soccer podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I'm Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm Kwame, and I'm a doctor. And we have loved the Nats for another year, baby 2020. We made it. Or did we? Or did we? <laughs> we spent half the year in the past. <laughs> and the other half in the future. In the future. 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 <laughs> oh my goodness. It's We the Peeps. It's We the Peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, Folks, it's We welcome. the Peeps. I could not be more hyped. It is the, the once a year, it only happens once a year, uh, Peep Awards. It is time to do the Peep Awards. Do you know what the Peep Awards are? Do you know the Peep Awards, the Peep Awards, <laughs> the Peep Awards? They are a meaningless uh, set of awards. Uh, hey. Everyone nominated. Oh, meaningless? Not quite. How would you describe Not it, Not all meaningless. If you talk to the Teats brothers, they're very meaningful. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. if it matters to the Teats, That's it matters true. to me. That's true. Um, um, What's the plural on that? Teatses? Teatsen. Teatses. I. I could not... <laughs> tie. I could not be more hyped to get it going. Of course, as always, uh, follow us on Twitter if you feel like it, at WTPPod. Hit us up on Patreon. You may see why during this award show, because you could end up in a very special place, which is being nominated for a peep uh, for 2021. But let's not go there yet. And as always, five-star reviews. Mucho helpful. Very much Cinco, so. Thank you. Cinco. Thank you. And of housekeeping, let's do this thing. We got to dive right in. Uh, no time to waste whatsoever. Kwame, how you holding up? How's your How's your twenty twenty been? Uh, you know, it's been complicated, like uh, like many of us. But uh, I've been doing all right. Um, hopeful for twenty twenty one. Aware of uh, what we have to do to make twenty twenty one better than twenty twenty. Yes. Yes. Well put. Yes. Uh, let's, let's begin. Let's begin. Oh, the rules. Hold on. The rules are, uh, that we've, I have created awards, uh, some of which are recurring from last year. Some are not. I have, uh, I've suggested nominees and I will pass, uh, my suggestions on to Ty and Kwame. Ty and Kwame will plead their case either for someone who has been nominated or a write-in that I forgot about, which is totally possible. Uh, after both uh, parties have pleaded their case, if there is a disagreement, I will break the tie with a vote of my own. Sound good? Let's do it. Yep. Let's do this thing. All right. Starting with most recency bias. Folks, uh, we, we, we in U.S. soccer only pay attention to what's happened in, in the past, like, 48 hours. Uh, how could, you do, how could you do anything else? Max. Maximum. Um, we stand uh, hoppy. <laughs> Please stand happy. Can you stand an instant in time? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Um, by the way, uh, these are all 2020 nominees. Therefore, Matthew Hoppy did not make the list 
for most recency bias. Everything you're about to hear is about 2020 specifically, which is, which is uh, I hope that you can travel back with us in your time machines uh, to that time. So the first award is gonna be most recency bias. Uh, the nominees are Owen, Otis, Zoe, Isha Boy, Wolverhampton Wolves doing his thing. Any position is fine. Owen, Otis, Zoe. Next up, we've got Eunice Musa. You know him. Eunice, love him. It's Eunice Musa, <laughs> the most recent hype. Uh, we've also got Brian Reynolds for uh, featuring for about two months, I think, six games maybe in the MLS. <laughs> Max. And then yeah. being transferred to every team in Europe somehow. <laughs> uh, and lastly, we've got Chris. Mueller, you know him, you love him. The most the recency kid. Dempsey, the guy from a town in Chicago that you have not heard of. Let's kick it off. Ty, what's your what's your pick here for so most give me, recency So give me a bias? definite, are we, is, are we saying they're over-biased or awesomely biased from the Ooh. recent times? You know, it is open for interpretation. It's open for I, interpretation, I, okay. I, I had thought of this as the the the... Not literally the most recent, but y you know when people say recency bias, the Im implication is you know you're you're being too myopic. The focus is too bias. myopic. It's an yeah. unfair yeah. bias, right? So so who here has has the most unfair bias from the USMNT uh, fan base? Uh, unfortunately, I love all these players, so it's kind of hard for me to go with that <laughs> interpretation. I think uh, the case of Brian Reynolds is very interesting because. Most people really haven't seen very much of him. If you're like us, the majority of your Nats watching time is going to go to, you know, Juventus, Barcelona, Chelsea, Dortmund, etc. Not necessarily watching FC Dallas play in front of, uh, you know, 52 fans in, in Frisco. So I think I'll give him most recency bias because I think he's been the benefit of hype. And that hype is not only in the U.S. soccer community, but it is extending to the broader soccer world at large. And that's an amazing thing. It's beautiful. Uh, it's important. And it, and it is hype. It's pure hype. Uh, choo -choo. The, um, the, the transfer that never was for Anthony Robinson comes to mind. Not exactly. It did not happen exactly. in 2020, yes. but hilarious. Uh, Kwame, what's your, what's your take here? Do you have a write-in or are you going to go with one of these four nominees? Uh, I'm going to go with one of these nominees. I'm going to slightly tweak the interpretation of the award um, and give please it do, to Yunus Musa, um, who I think is, you know, someone that no one uh, had really also heard of, at least in terms of an American sense, in, in terms of eligibility up until a few months ago. Uh, but I also think that there has been recency bias in terms of our belief uh as a national team as fans of the of the nets to get whoever we want to switch to us there i think there's mm. so much excitement and people are taking for granted like oh yeah we've got Yunus musa now um and i think that that had there has been this real switch really overnight as to we're the team that uh really <laughs> you know should be shocked when we get a, a really a sought after dual national too, like, oh, he played for us once in a camp and is not bound in any way, but he's definitely in our midfield for the next 10 years. Uh, so both for uh, him being unknown to most of us and then also for being newly biased in a way where we are, you know, ecstatic to have, 
you know, assuming we're going to have him, I'm giving it to Musa. That, that <laughs> is a far better to... analysis. Yes. I, I concede. I concede. Oh, the oh, it got switched. It got switched. I, Kwame's argument was so good. You know, uh, that's that's what we're here to do. We're here to find consensus and togetherness. And Eunice Musa has uh, solved Unicity. that for us. <laughs> you, uh, Manchester, you nice. Uh, you nice this. You the nice. It's bound to happen now. <laughs> All right. Well, Eunice Musa, it's your first peep of, of your life. And congratulations. Here's to many more. Um, and I would, I would add as well that uh, you... You fully deserve it, and you are now, if, if for no other reason than that you are on every, you know, starting 11 graphic in my Twitter feed. That's, exactly. That's, Penciled that's in makes... starter for the, for the next two World Cups, right? <laughs> All right. Locked in. Let's move, moving forth, moveth forthest to a uh, similar but different category, and uh, Eunice Musa may be um, the, the first ever to win two, two uh, Academy Awards, I mean peeps, in his uh, <laughs> first year ever. Uh, this, this next category is most random yank. Who's the most random yank? Uh, there's, there's a bunch. There's a bunch from this year. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to shout him out right now. Eunice Musa, of course, extremely random. Uh, we've got from Middle Earth, uh, Dual <laughs> National, Fuller and Straight out Balogun. of Gondor. <laughs> we've also got uh, uh, announced himself as option for the USMNT, Andres Perea. Let's go. My guy was like, consider me. You've been waiting. Everyone's been waiting on my decision. Uh, and 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 he he announced it to the world. Welcome to the USMNT, Andres Perea. And lastly, we have this one's just for me. This is not you know maybe not random for everyone, but for me, David Wagner or David Wagner, as it were, uh, is was an extremely random uh, Yank discovery for me. I was told indeed that this man is a USMNT uh, 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 vet. Uh, you know. Vet, X. vet. Yeah, yes. Uh, and so he he receives for this year a nomination for most random yank. Kwame, what's your pick here? Uh, this was a tough category, but I think I'm gonna go with uh, Floran Balogun. Um, Let's go. Which I, I don't know if I'm. Apologies if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, but I think that. Uh, <laughs> I think that he, for me he's the most random because I think. Uh, there really hasn't been much indication that he would uh, choose to play for the U.S. Uh, I think <laughs> we have, you know, at least we have Musa has, no reason to believe. <laughs> yeah, at least Musa has you know shown up and come to a camp, and you know Perea has now <laughs> declared himself. And you know David Wagner, uh, I think he's random only because he hasn't had a very successful year for himself professionally, <laughs> but uh, he did play for the Nets. And I think if he was tearing it up, uh, if he'd continued to keep his job in the Premier League and managed to keep his job in the uh, in the Bundesliga, as opposed to being disappearing from both somewhat ignominiously, then we, he wouldn't be random. We'd be talking about him all the time. Um, Damn you, Huddersfield so, Town! Uh, yeah. I was gonna say, um, I'm gonna say he's Fullerin is my most random. <laughs> right. This this is an easy slam Fullerin Balogun for me as well. I know the pronunciation is difficult. That's common with uh, with the Dwarvish language. It's very hard for 
English speakers to pronounce. So it's something I'm with the L's he, and the he R's. He emerged from that mountain with, with his giant hammer, and uh, and he's ready to he's ready to kick some ass for the Nats. I think so. I mean, this dude. I'm, it's funny because he's so not at all related to the U.S. in any way, yet is still is eligible. But it's amazing in that he looks fantastic. And some of the quotes that like the, some of the Arsenal uh, coaches have, have you know, put out there about him and his, uh, his quality at, at youth level are, are quite impressive. So sign me up. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to receive this transfer straight out of Lord of the Rings. Let's go Follerin. <laughs> you did it. it. You did it. You Follerin'd headfirst into your first people ward. Congratulations, bro. Uh, y- you will hopefully be a nat. And if you're not, then we'll pretend like this conversation never happened. On to the next award. We've got most forgotten nat. This is not an award that I love. It's not an award I want to celebrate, but it's an award that needs to happen. Okay, the nominees are Uli Yanez for featuring early 2020 and then COVID happened and then start stopped happening. And oh, Uli Yanez is uh, nominated for Most Forgotten That. Next up, we've got uh, Julian Green. One Julian Green. What's he doing? No one knows. He's like, he's, he's, a, he's a, a journeyman. He's traveling. He's doing his thing. Uh, we've also got Aaron Johansson for doing an interview on YouTube in which he explained why uh, being... Uh, playing for the Nats was appealing to him, even though there there may maybe is not a whole lot of uh, actual American uh, living that occurred in this man's life. Uh, there was something special about it, and and I, and I'm sad that we've forgotten about Aaron Johansson. And last up, and most saddestly, we have Richie Ledesma for lighting it up in his first uh, appearance for the Nats, and then promptly tearing his ACL. Ty, who for you is the most forgotten Nat? So I'm going to go for baby Julian on this. And I, I think I've, I've been unable to forget any of these, these fine players because I keep up. However, Julian Green, I have decided to forget. And I'm sorry, baby Julian. <laughs> we, we knew you. We loved you. We watched you play for Dave Sarekan. Sar- Dave Sarubad, Fullerin's youth coach. <laughs> Fullerin's youth team manager, Dave Saruman. And it was it was the rough. Gray. It was rough. There there was the goal against France, and then there was a whole lot of uh, possession lost. And we decided. We kept thinking, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe we should just. Sh- could this happen? Could Julian Green really happen? And we got burned over and over again. And so, as a fan base, we need to just move forward. Julian Green's ceiling is below the floor of our expectation and it's time to move on. So I'm going to give him the most, most, uh, most forgotten Nat, uh, in a, a sad, uh, statement about what need, what we need to do when it comes to Julian green. I'm sorry, baby Julian. Mm. I'm sure mm. you're a lovely person. Mm. Most forgotten on principle. Kwame, where do you stand? Uh, so I very much admire, uh, Ty's stand on principle as always. Um, I'm going to do a write-in for this category Ooh, um, because I think go. that there are reasons that we may have placed each of these people out of mind. Uh, you know, Yuli, Yuli, you know, transferred to a, a league where most of us can't see him as well as the Bundesliga, Julian Green, 
is Julian Green. Uh, I won't add to what Ty said. You know, also Aaron Johansson, <laughs> right? Is you know has it, it's been a while since he's been featured, and he's also in a league most of us can't see. And then Richie, unfortunately, you know, an injury. Um, you know, uh, out of sight, out of mind. My write-in is Pellegrino Matarazzo, the oh, coach of yes. Bundesliga side Stuttgart, solidly middle of the table, um, and <laughs> I get pretty much the the American coaching at the highest level of soccer right now, and he just appears to have done it through kind of straight hustle, um, and really. Really, I think we should be more hyped about him than we are. But I think, you know, he wasn't a, a former national team player, never coached in MLS, right. I don't believe. And so, uh, and as people have, have pointed out, you know, he has, uh, you know, he's Italian-American. He has this very sort of deeply Italian name. So uh, I think much of the press, both in the U.S. but also overseas, assumes that he's, uh, you know, italian of you know uh of but you know or, or, originating from born in that nation um but uh you know getting a, a team like stuttgart to promotion and then keeping them solidly mid-table in his first season of promotion in the bundesliga in a tumultuous season like this um and you know we we don't really talk about him i think he's most forgotten that's amazing. Can you give us a, a quick history? Because I know I know he's American, but I thought he was kind of like a Gab Marcotti American, where he's not he doesn't like really want to be like known as an American necessarily. So he's like bicultural. Is that the case? Uh, you know, I'm I'm not super familiar. I think I thought he kind of grew up in uh, in New Jersey, although maybe that's just where. Uh, maybe I'm I'm mixing him in with other, um, you know, with others like um, uh, now I'm blanking on his Giuseppe Rossi, Giuseppe Rossi and others. Um, but I think that he, I thought he grew up in the New star. Jersey and then um, had a, you know, had a, a decently decently successful career in Germany as a player, but you know, generally kind of like. Um, you know, Bundesliga 2, I think. Um, and then after sort of stayed to make his uh, professional career there. Um, I really should, uh, you know, I really should. <laughs> Case in point. Know, more, the right? uhs, us the, the first thing. The ums, <laughs> the syllables. <clears throat> this must be. It could, most most forgotten that, could only have been won by a write-in. By definition, oh. it had to be. And Think so my tie-breaking vote goes to, what's his name one more time? Pellegrino Matarazzo. It's your boy. Yeah. Uh, most forgotten that. <laughs> Pellegrino, my guy. Pellegrino Paparazzo. <laughs> pop, 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 paparazzi. Uh, congratulations to you. You you win a real, uh, a true peep. Um, I think it, we forgot it, that peep. Yeah. We, we left it in what? the hotel. I did forget that. Yeah. <laughs> just to just to, just to play beats. just to play uh, the man a little respect uh, in terms of his background. So I did remember correctly. I'm on his Wikipedia for what that's worth. Uh, born in New Jersey. Um, I'm currently editing his Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> born in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, played in the U.S. all through high school. 
Um, and then played at Columbia University, got a degree in applied mathematics. Hey. And, uh, hey. and then... Uh, and then applied so it to yeah, what? And then basically <laughs> hustled his way through teams in Serie B and Serie C. Um, and then started in the German fourth division and, uh, you know, hustled his way up from there. Got married to Damn, a German bro. We're, woman we're sleeping there. We, we've been sleeping. We should have this dude. That's that's just hitting the snooze. That's an American story, man. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a throwback to the go through college, you know, and, and make yourself a success going through the college system rather than the uh, academy system. Wow. Let's let's slide to the right for a second for our next peep award, which is most lateral move. We've got most lateral moves. There was a lot of lateral moves uh, in 2020, but but I, I had to narrow it down to, to four choices plus, you know, in parentheses, possible write-ins. I'll tell you what I thought of for most lateral move. We've got Claudio Reyna. Mm-hmm. For going from the greatest USMNT talent to the sporting director of a random MLS club and father of the greatest USMNT talent. <laughs> uh, s- s- slide to the right. We've got Jurgen Klinsmann uh, from manager of a Bundesliga side to a talking head recording remotely from home. Okay. We've got Miguel Herrera <laughs> uh, for getting fired for losing to LAFC in the CCL, uh, CONCACAF Champions League. Let's go, Miguel Herrera. What's Got next Bradley'd. for you? He got Bradley'd. And uh, last up, and I'm not sure about this one, but uh, I'm interested in your take. We've got Jordan Morris. This is a this is this is a hot take. Lateral move from winger for a championship contender to winger for Swansea. Ooh. For a championship team. <laughs> uh, let's see who's first on this one. I think it's uh, Kwamdas. Kwame, what's your take here? Huh. Um. This is a tough one because I actually kind of think that most of these are. Um, I'm gonna. I, I'm probably gonna give it to Klinsman. Uh, <laughs> one because of our relationship on this show to Jurgen Klinsman, but uh, his, you know, being a talking head on ESPN, uh, you know, it's is is pretty decent and his it normally would be kind of a step down from being a bundesliga manager but didn't he have this just really weird kind of take the job leave the job um with like union berlin like he was going to be their manager sporting director and then after like 10 days he's like no this isn't going to work um so i think that was bizarre enough in a way that I can't quite categorize it. So any move from there is maybe technically a lateral move. Cause if you go from something undefined to something defined, uh, let's call it lateral in, you know, some other dimensional space than three dimensional. Um, sure. Sure. And, uh, Which is the Jurgen Klinsmann way. Yeah. It's some other space than three dimensional. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think everyone else, our mortal um, logic. I think everyone else, you know, Claudio, uh, I think it's it's a move up to you know be a sporting director, and I think also uh, as a dad, it's a move up to see your son kind of succeed year after year. So I think that's upward, and I think Jordan Morris. I think that's a you know I think that is an upward move. Um, you know I think people will debate long and hard where the championship in England stands in. Re- 
you know, in comparison to MLS. Uh, but I think that Swansea is in a strong position to get promoted to the Premier League. I think they're second right now in uh, in the championship. Uh, so, you know, potentially in a position for automatic promotion. And if he does, if he does well uh, and Swansea sort of wants to hold on to him as a as a relatively cheap option for um you know buffing up their squad and preparation for trying to stay in the premier league i think that could be a, a pretty a pretty great mood um and then i feel like miguel herrera is um i in a in a way <laughs> perhaps a somewhat similar slope. to julian green i'm just done with miguel herrera i find him so <laughs> Uh, actually, in much way, the worse than Julian Green. Julian Green, I think, is a fine soccer player. I think Miguel Herrera is just—he's just kind of a joke to me. So uh, his really? ant- his antics are just his antics just for me overwhelm his uh, his oh, soccer acumen. Time after time, he goes into a situation, he's doing well, and he blows it up. Uh, he just. You know, you can, you can, and not in like a Antonio Conte, like, you know, this guy is too intense for us to keep around for more than like 18 months. It's like a, this guy is beloved and then he loses the plot and then we have to fire him because he did something really crazy. Really well, so. say what you will about Miguel Herrera, but he is definitely in my top five guys I'd like to run into at a bar. Mm. And just share an evening. So down, yes. I absolutely. mean, can you imagine the kind of stories this guy has? So yeah, uh, okay. Anytime, buddy. That, if you want a Corona, I, I accept south of that. The border, there, I'll be there. You, there's there is a non-zero chance, however, that you will find yourself drawn into some sort of bar fight by being in proximity <laughs> to him. I'm not saying it's like you know. Hi, but it's it's non-zero. It's non-zero, it's non-zero. yeah. <laughs> and it, it's also unclear if I'd be on his side or the other side. Right. It's also scary. Okay. But uh, so I, it could be the greatest I love night. this category. I have a brief write-in, sort of tangential write-in for a non-move that, that really needs to happen, which is Aaron Long. Ooh. He is moving laterally from being a Ooh, totally good MLS good center call. back to being a totally good MLS center back forever and missing his chance his window to go go test himself overseas because so, so the so the MLS Liverpool policy. rumors on Twitter are, are untrue. It is not looking good for Liverpool. Um, we'll see. We'll see. As of recording, not happening. So I I think he's he is moving laterally in his career, which is sad to see because it's like he's he's crying out for that next chance of that, that that new challenge. Now Jordan Morris, I. I don't know if I agree necessarily that going to Swansea is a step up uh, from his situation in MLS because of all of his his uh, aforementioned hesitation and everything about going overseas, and the fact that five years ago he was he had a solid offer to go to Werder Bremen. Now, going to Werder Bremen five years ago was also substantially different than today. So, all that said, I expected him to make a bigger jump than this after the year he had. So, I. You know, I'm I'm happy that he went, but it's I still don't feel like he's really testing himself at a new level, and that's what I want to see from him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put my my uh, my vote in for JMO Smooth as taking the safest route to move laterally across the pond instead of taking a jump up, which I think is is somewhat Jordan Morrissey. 
So Ty, do you know what other um, what other deals were in the works for Jordan potentially like th- this this year? And this is a loan move, right, to Swansea at the moment. It's a loan move. Correct. I don't know what else was out there. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's the best move he could have made. Yeah. I do. It yeah, I do wonder ambitious. about. Yeah. I do wonder if it was my set. I'm trying to remember the rumors. My my. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the best move. He could make um, or as in um, the most the, ambitious move, uh, um, most ambitious. Um, yeah, I guess most ambitious or, or sort of greatest, greatest challenge. Um, and maybe also the place where he was guaranteed the most, the, the best chance at, at, at playing time. Uh, the championship is right. so many games. Um, right, right. But, you know, the fact that it's a lone move also, I think. You know, maybe he's viewing this as getting his toe into Europe in a place where mm-hmm. he can actually display his his talent. Um, and then in, you know, in the summer when more teams are looking to buy and know their economic position, like he can be like, right. listen, I, you know, I was on this team, the one promotion to the Premier League. Sure, sure. Which is all all fair and good. But I think there's a, a tentativeness and a hesitancy about his career path. Yeah. That has frustrated a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. And when you see a guy like uh, Weston say, sure, I'll go from Schalke to Juventus yeah. and show up to fucking dominate to ball. and actually yeah. succeed. And then, you know, Des going from Ajax to Barcelona, immediately becoming a starter. Even Polisic's move, we all thought, oh Absolutely. my, that's a big step yeah. up. Is that going to work? And these guys, they have the confidence and the bravado to own the move and to to step up and, and make it happen. And every now and then it's not going to work, but when they go into it with the right mindset, it does. So I think, I think Morris's uh, mindset has always been that way. And uh, so I, 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 this is a career, this is a lifetime lateral move award for me. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Got to break it up. Got to break it up folks. Uh, the Ring the bell, Aaron baby. Long, the ding, ding, ding. The Aaron Long shout out is strong. I love that. I love it a lot. I'm going to tie-break this to Jordan Morris, but not for the reasons necessarily that have been brought up already. I'm going to say Jordan Morris because I think that the European MLS debate, as I've stated on this show, is a waste of fucking time. And that, like, that I call it lateral in the good sense. That Jordan Morris is an important USMNT uh, player at, at the Sounders, and he's an important USMNT player at Swansea. And this is lateral because they're both dope. And can we all just relax for a second? Wow, positive. All right? A positive take. Can we live with that? Po- I mean, we, <laughs> can, we, can, you know, we can definitely live with it. I, I don't entirely agree, uh, but, I, <laughs> but I agree with a lot of what you said. <laughs> that is the most diplomatic disagree. answer I've ever heard. I don't agree, but I agree with a lot of what you said. <laughs> well, folks, um, we've reached we've reached our our sort of halfway point in this show. This is where the awards go from random, recent, and lateral to uh, an upward. Speaking of positive, an upward trajectory. We've got some some very exciting and uh, optimistic peeps on the way. Um, at this juncture, I feel that it is time uh, to to mention. Um, something really, really super important that occurred in 2020 um, and that will not be forgotten. And there is no 
there's no perfect way to express this sentiment, but I'll do my best. We are hereby creating a new award on the peeps uh, for the tradition. It is a lifetime achievement award for uh, any anyone's contribution to U.S. soccer fandom. Okay. And uh, we are creating it because, specifically because of Daryl Grove, who, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you are familiar with, with Daryl Grove um, and uh, the, the, the tragedy of, of his passing uh, in 2020. One of, of all the terrible things that happened in 2020, it's, it's, it's one that will definitely stick with me. Um, so th- this, this, uh, so I want to take this moment to just thank Daryl Grove uh, through the podcast Vapor Waves, um, and and just give a super strong shout out to a gentleman who um, exemplifies uh, U.S. soccer fandom in a way that uh, is is rare, um, special, potent, and has had a, a massive influence uh, on the the culture that we all know and love. Um, and so let's let's just pour one out. From now on, there will be an award called the Daryl Grove Lifetime Achievement Award uh, each year for whoever we we deem uh, deserves it. And that, that's it's not a year specific award; it is a lifetime achievement award. Um, thank you so much to Daryl Grove, and and uh, you know, pour one out. Rest in peace, my guy. Beautiful. Thank you, Daryl. Uh, the I, I don't think you mentioned specifically that it's the Total Soccer Show for anyone who's not familiar with with Daryl's work. Um, and he and his co-host, uh, Taylor Rockwell, been had been doing that show for many years, and it had been instrumental in the generation of interest and the, the groundswell of the U.S. soccer culture that we see today. So one of the, one of the great soccer podcasts, something I've, I've had them in my earballs for a long time and really admire the work that that they did together and that Taylor is going to continue to, to carry the torch on uh, along with many other talented people. So I'm, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great thing to recognize. And uh, I, I really appreciate the, the contribution that he made. And one very important thing to note is that he was a dual national. So Daryl, Daryl grew up in England, came to the U S and became just as diehard of a U.S. fan as anybody. And he talked about his dual nationalism, uh, you know, in cases where the U.S. was playing against England. And um, and that was very, uh, very, I think, poignant and appropriate to our, our times. A lot of people trying to figure out that uh, internal debate, uh, like our very own Kwame. And I thought that was a very beautiful part of his story that, it, like like the, the American story always is, uh, we're, we're not a monolithic society. We all come from different places and have different histories, but we choose to, to love this country and follow this country. And I think that's very beautiful. So RIP. Uh, you both have said it, um, you know, really well. Um, I'll just add that, uh, um, you know, what I think about when I think about uh, Daryl Grove and, um, you know, the Total Soccer Show is... Um, more than the soccer analysis and promotion and um, and uh, just the good show that they put out was the deep friendship between him and and Taylor and how they they were uh, unafraid and unabashed about putting that on display for everyone to see uh, and you know that that is something that's invaluable in any you know in any time uh but i think uh that bringing that to uh the 
to fandom in general, um, I think is is something that is uh, that I that I really that I really treasured and is as much of the reason as I listen to to them as anything else. So so that that will be missed as well. But uh, I'm I'm very glad that this is going to be something that we do from now on. All right, folks, um, it is time, uh, as, as we must, to move forth, to move forward, uh, and to continue to celebrate our USMNT fandom, as I imagine Daryl Grove would appreciate, um, and, and, uh, and, uh, it's, and it's time to lay 2020 to rest. Uh, and we'll do so by entering the latter half of our PEEP Awards. Let's begin with one that's kind of hype, kind of exciting, and kind of dope. And it's something that we all have had our eyes on um, all year. And it is the most European transfer, folks. Most European transfer. Uh, we've got a few nominees, but I may have forgotten. So write-ins, welcome. Let's start with Brendan Aronson, Shibui, uh, to Salzburg, RB Salzburg. Uh, uh, making the move from Philadelphia, Philadelphia. We've also got Mark McKenzie also making the move from Philadelphia to Ghent. We've got Brian Reynolds moving somewhere, we think. And yes, indeed, I wrote this, uh, <laughs> I nominated him in 2020, and we are still trying to figure out where he's going to end up. <laughs> uh, we've got, and then lastly, we've got Reggie Cannon for, Reggie. and this is a, Reggie, the player formerly known as Reggie Cannon, for transferring from one to another. European club. Ty, who's your pick? These are all great transfers that I approve of. I think I'm going to give it to Brendan Aronson because I just think of this RB Leipzig thing as like the epitome of modern European player development. It's, it's, it's a machine and there's, there's such a, a pipeline here and such opportunity for him to just keep, um, keep you know, riding that train all the way to the EPL at some point. They're going to sell this dude for a lot more than they bought him for. And uh, I, I think it's a great transfer. It's particularly important for the Nats because we, we've always had a uh, paucity of touch in the program. And we've had players like, like Darlington Nagby and uh, DJ Orgy who have, who have looked like they might have filled that role for us at various times, but it's never quite come off. And so I'm hoping that, um, that Brendan Aronson can be that, that guy who can... Uh, pull the strings in midfield for the Yanks for years to come. He's at the perfect place for his development. I would expect him to be in the Bundesliga in the next couple of years and keep kicking on from there. So I love it. I think it's the epitome of the modern European player experience. I'll give it to Brendan Aronson. All right. All righty. All righty, yo. Kwame, what's your most European transfer for this year? So uh, Ty's answer is a good one, and I think it's exciting in general that uh, this category is getting harder and harder to, uh, to you know, sort of choose entrance for. I, we could probably have had a few more in there. Um, but my answer, I'm going to do another write-in, and I'm going to say most European transfer is uh, the women's national team. <laughs> uh, not all of whom... <laughs> Not not all of whom made uh, made transfers to Europe uh, this year, but a large number of them did. Um, uh, partly driven by COVID, partly driven by some of the economic realities of the NWSL versus um, the growing uh, English league and some other things in there as well. But um, you know, right now. Um, 
Samantha Mewis, Rose Lavelle, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, Alex Morgan, um, and just as of a couple of weeks ago, Abby Dahlkemper, all are playing uh, in England. And there were some other people that went over to Europe as well. Emily Sonnet was in Sweden. Um, so, and there's probably one or two more um, that I'm that I'm forgetting, including probably some non sort of national team level stars, um, but sort of people lower down. Uh, and I think this is going to have ramifications for years to come for the NWSL, for our, for the women's national team, but also for the leagues that they're going into. Uh, and it has, you know, it has come in a, in a, you know, in a, in a whirlwind a, a bit. So that would be my, huh. that would be my vote. Ugh. Ugh. So we do have a split decision here. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to step in and break this tie. It would not be a Kwame appearance, Dr. Kwamdas, without a shout out to the good Nats. And I think it's only right that, um, that they receive this peep. Uh, the, the, the most European transfer is going to go to the USWNT, those Ninja Turtles. Why? Because I don't know the why. Entire, the entire freaking team went to huge clubs in Europe, basically, within three months. Yeah. But Kwame, can you explain? Right. Like, I was trying to look this up to understand, like, the financial mechanics of this. It's like, basically, the NWSL wasn't really able to put on much of a schedule because of the COVID response here. And the Premier League teams still had money because it's the Premier League. Is that roughly correct? Um, sort of. It it is very complicated because it involves things like um, so most of the women's national team um, have been U.S. soccer allocated right. players within the NWSL, which means that their salaries are not played by paid by their teams but by U.S. Soccer, who uh, was sort of the manager of the sort of managing partner of NWSL up until recently. There have been all sorts of changes. It would be a whole other episode. But um, and so these players, because they didn't have a they. Yes, because of covid and the sort of dearth of games. And I think particularly for players who saw the Olympics mm -hmm. on the horizon and wanted to try to guarantee themselves as much um, soccer as possible, uh, were essentially free to sign with any European club. Um, and it, they didn't have to do any sort of transfer fee or anything like that because they didn't have a contract mm -hmm. binding them to their NWSL team. And so they were... Um, yes, there's been more money and support and kind of TV deals for like the English League and um, and they really wanted to grow that and develop that. And so they could get these really high quality players, offer them, uh, especially at the time, um, the UK was in a better position than the US in terms of COVID. Now we may be neck and neck again, um, that that was a that was a, a pull to them. And also they could get a significant, uh, significant salary. So. But now we're starting to see a, a bit of a second wave. So there were, it, it's it's a little unclear um, how long some of the players that are over there are going to stay. Um, you know, Kristen Press and to Tobin Heath, Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, 
um, who are both playing for Manchester United, they were selected by Louisville, which is an expansion team in the NWSL. So Louisville has their <laughs> rights. Um, Good and, luck, Louisville. <laughs> right. So they're probably not going to come back to Louisville to play. However, Louisville... Louisville is trying to play 3D chess a little bit. I, I'm, I'm going into the weeds a little bit here, so pull me back. Again let's go, though. But let, no, let's go. But, I want to go to Louisville so, and Manchester United's relationship. Yeah, so That's Louisville, incredible. I think, said they basically gambled, right? In their expansion draft, they mm-hmm. gambled um, and said, these are, Kristen Press and Tobin Heath are outstanding players that we can draft and control the rights to and maybe we can get them to play for us but if we can't we know that there's going to be an expansion team in la next year that's got all this money behind it it's going to make this splash it's got all these players behind it Kristen press is from like southern california and we think that even if she doesn't come play for us this is my conjecture. They haven't said this explicitly, but this seems kind of clear in their thinking that we can spin Kristen Press's rights into a big haul for us because LAFC is going to want her and Crazy. want a big splash and she's going to want to be there. Um, and, you know, they picked Tobin Heath um, uh, because, you know, she was a highly rated unprotected player. Portland couldn't protect her because they had to protect Haran and Dunn. Um, and also, you know, the Heath and Presser are pretty close. So um, that was Louisville's calculation, but uh, it may it may not work out for them because I think if Heath and Press stay in the UK long enough, eventually those rights expire. Um, we similarly, actually, the other person that I that I didn't mention in terms of the European expansions. I was saying we've got sort of a second wave now. So Abby Dahlkemper, who's, you know, starting center back for the national team for North Carolina, which was this juggernaut, she stayed for this past season in the uh in the NWSL, the fall series, the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup rather. Least least European, right. most domestic. <laughs> she just signed a two and a half year contract with Man City. Oh, so baby. she so this is this is mm-hmm. different. This is new. This is not like I'm on this sort of indefinite, like maybe I'll be back in a year or sort of two years. This is someone leaving a, essentially a powerhouse team in North Carolina, although one that's in a lot of flux and saying, I'm going to be in Man City and their facilities for two and a half years. And this may or may not signal something about the plans for Rose Lavelle and Sam Ewis, who are there right now but don't have these lengthy contracts. But what is happening also, which driving this, and then I'll stop, is there is a there is another um, big shift happening, which is I said earlier that national team players were allocated, and so they received their salaries right. from U.S. soccer, but didn't have a contract with their teams. There is starting to be a trend with national team players turning down their allocated status with the with US soccer and signing a contract hmm. with their NWSL teams. So Lindsay Horan recently hmm. did it, um Crystal Dunn recently did it, Lynn Williams recently did it, 
North Carolina just signed Dabinia um, to a contract like that. So the NWSL looks like it's starting to move more to a model which is more familiar to us, where U.S. soccer is actually stepping back. NWSL is having more independence, and there are more kind of longer-term kind of guaranteed huh. contracts. And for the national team players, they can actually, it looks like, make more money from getting, you know, like a six-figure salary if you're a star. Um, there's now, there's been changes in, in allocated money that allows them to play U.S. stars with that money. So they can sign like a six-figure salary with their national team, with sorry, with their club team, still get appearance fees and, you know, success bonuses from the national team actually make more money and the NWSL teams actually have some control and mm-hmm. stability. They're not just going to lose Lindsey Horan or, um, or, you know, another star for right, nothing, right. which has been happening now. Um, right, right. And then lastly, the other piece is Katarina Beccario. <laughs> this is like, yeah, this, this is, is like trying to explain to me what GameStop. just happened. With GameStop. <laughs> yeah. This is like, okay, last season, <laughs> they borrowed uh, like breaking bad. I'm going to explain her. it to you. And they're going to buy right. her back less um, later. But uh, there's been all sorts of things. But also in the last piece of this European expansion that I forgot to mention that I should is that Katarina Beccaria, who we talked about last peeps, big Stanford star, uh, broke the every star. sort of record. She um, signed with Lyon um, instead of and she did it in a way where she specifically couldn't be drafted by the NWSL because she would have been drafted by Louisville um and she probably wouldn't fucking Louisville well well there's but it's complicated right because Louisville could have drafted her she probably would not have signed with Louisville anyways her reasoning has is a little different and it's it's her reasoning is one um Louisville the NWSL set up the draft in a way where they said to Louisville, you can you can pick U.S. women's national team players off of other teams. You can pick up to two. If you don't pick for, for every one that you oh don't God. pick, we will give you $75,000 <laughs> that you can use fuck? in salary for the number one pick. So they basically said, if you don't pick a national team player from another team, here's an extra $150,000, which you can use to try to sign Katarina Macario. What what do I get for not participating in the draft at all? You get nothing. <laughs> only it was only for Louisville and only for the number one pick. It was really it was really kind of weird, bizarre. Um, and so Louisville in picking Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, this was this huge. This was this very like three D chess wow. gamble, right? Because they said they they gambled that they could get something out of those players, either playing time or. A, or future trade value that was greater than their chances of getting Katarina Macario to sign for them for probably what would have been like, you know, maybe like probably 200, 250 K a year is probably what they could have offered her. Um, so many years. Yeah. And she, and she turned that down. Uh, we don't know what she's getting offered in salary at, it's it's Leon. more. It's, it's more. probably it's healthy. It's probably 
Well, it's it's may not, it may more. not be less than 250, okay. but it pro- what she, right. Mercario has said, and this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll <laughs> shut up because I know we got to move on. But I'm what giving Mercario the peak to has Brendan said, Aronson, <laughs> just a, <genocide> fight. <laughs> Mer- uh, Mercario has said she went to Lyon because she she wanted to no longer be the best player on the field right, every time right, she stepped exactly. on the field, which she has been her experience her whole life, except for when she's been right. in U.S. national team camp. Anyways. That's Europe. That's the women's team. I'm going to stop talking now for about an hour. Fantastic. (laughs) It's so European. European. Yes. Clearly deserves the peak. Black Co's boat and just hopped on over there. Yeah. So stay tuned, y'all. This is not the last you'll hear from uh, Kwame about the WNT in 2021, but it is the last you'll hear about the most European <laughs> transfer peep because we have to because we have to move forward uh, and start talking about uh, another award that's near and dear to everyone's heart um, the the endless debate of is this a golden generation or is this the new normal and we'll never know but let's let's live in the land of golden generation for a second and debate who is the most golden generation oh who's the most golden uh, the the nominees are clear. And obvious, unlike a handball trying to be overturned, uh, they are clear and obvious. We've got Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, and Christian Pulisic, okay, T-Map. And then there's what, what I consider to be sort of uh, the, the 2.0 golden generation in Gio Reyna and Serginho Dest. Uh, did I say? Yeah. Serginho? <laughs> what? For those of you at home, Clayton's um, Clayton's spelling in the running order for today's show is <laughs> it it's what you'd expect from uh, a, a rapper slash U.S. soccer podcaster. It's not so right, but the, the last it, category it's not that was wrong. Most Euro pan transfer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Claudio Reyna is father Ooh, yeah, of some- Bet USMNT tails. <laughs> just so you know he's getting a little lost here um, but it's okay. it's okay uh yeah yeah all right so we've got dest and reyna we've got polisic we've got the t-map polisic adams and mckinney who is the most golden generation uh kwame hit me with it um i've got to give it to weston mckinney uh Oof. i think that uh i mean it's all five names so exciting and all kind of on the up but I think that the golden boy of this group right now has to be Weston McKenney making a move from Schalke to Juve, which there was a lot of risk in that. I think a lot of people were excited, but, you know, sort of doubted what that meant. Schalke had been a really poor team and he had sort of bounced around the lineup to every different position. And we knew that by going to Juventus, he would be in the withering gaze of the Italian fans and Cristiano Ronaldo. And he has thrived, I think, in a way that we just were not, I was not expecting. Uh, How could anyone have expected this? It's insane. It's, it's so great. I mean, the goals he's scoring, the, <laughs> Spellbinding, you know, if you will. the way that the Italian fans, it seems like the Juventus fans are, are, are talking about him and, and and rating him um you know the response he's getting from his teammates and i think this is also 
you know, we're seeing that not only is Weston uh, really as high as anyone else in terms of the level he can play at, I think this is also we're seeing like this is the Weston that's like pulls everyone into him, right? Like everyone kind of wants to be around Weston, not just for his play, but for kind of like, you know, who he is, how ingratiating like he is, you know, like Juventus is like this team of kind of, you know, been there, done it, professionals kind of won everything, win, you know, every year. And I think he's been a, a brush of, a breath of fresh air. And so that that's golden to me. Hey, all right, all right. We've got one for Weston McKenzie, <laughs> uh, as as I've spelled it on the. <laughs> but um, Ty, what's so your where, like where's that, your I vote? Like that girl? argument as of right now, definitely the the pinnacle of this generation has been Weston's play at Juventus. Maybe alongside the eight weeks that Pulisic had uh, after the the COVID break uh, last year, but. I, I'm going to interpret this a little bit differently as a forward-looking peep. And I believe Ooh. that when we look back on this generation in, in 20 years, there's only going to be one name that everybody recognizes as the, 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 the pinnacle of, of U.S. soccer during this period, which is Gio Reyna. So I think Gio Reyna has <clears throat> the potential to be one of the top five players in the world. He is not only big technical, smart, quick. He he's also just in his straight line speed in the week the game uh this weekend, he was the fastest player on the field measured. It was him and Holland. One two. Yes. Really? So we're talking about a guy who has generational level talent. He's I think just 18 maybe or still 17. So the it's it's even unprecedented for, I think, the, the Pulisic experience, uh, what Gio has been able to do at Dortmund. He's an easy starter for them, and I, I just think the sky's the limit. So I think he's, he's going to be the goldenest, but I do recognize that Mr. McKenney's goldenness is, is peaking. And, and he, that is so true. He is such a magnet of personality. He's a born leader. He's a goofball. He's somebody I think who can set the tone of the team, and that the the funny thing about that team is like they have the the alpha of all alphas, but the other players there are a little bit beta ish. There's not like like there's not a lot of um, I don't know boisterousness to to their play at times, and I think you've seen that when they've played badly, they all like a lot of the players don't really look like they want to be there. So they have a lot of you know great squad players, obviously mm. very talented, but they they do need more of that kind of take the game by the scruff of its neck leadership. And so Weston's in a position in his career where he can actually do that at a big club, and that's really outstanding. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, it's this is not an easy one. It's not easy. We've got we've got potentially the greatest. Uh, soccer player of all time. No, I'm not kidding. Right <laughs> and, I'm not kidding. No, I think yeah, yeah, no, he's straight got, up. He's in that and then. Zone. And then we've got Weston McKenney. I'm going to 
leave this one split. It's it's shattered across the globe by voting for Christian Pulisic. Wow. Because I don't think any of this happens. None of this happens without Christian Pulisic. He he is the He's the, the one John who the ushered in this, uh, uh, this situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so much so 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 it it's split. It's split, folks. And and you in the golden generation, Tyler Adams, show us, prove us wrong. Come on. You know, get it going. Uh, we will know one day. I think I said in the introduction to this award that we'll never know. I, we'll I think know. we will know. <laughs> we will know for sure. But we don't know yet. Uh, and we can't know yet. And that's part of the joy. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, I mean, this that, that you're right. That is part of the excitement is that there's not a clearly anointed, you know, uh, goldenist uh, <laughs> right now, which is which is what we all want, right? I think we want you know, excitement across the board and, and we've got other people, you know, sort of coming through where we can actually, it's not all hinging on one yeah. or two. No people. write-ins for Matthew Hoppy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, well, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see even, uh, Ty, I'm, I, I was, I'm surprised to hear Gio hitting that, that speed level. Cause I think my impression of him previously, it had not been, he had that level of pace, but I guess he's been doing like sprint drills with Holland. And uh, and Sancho and just like you know, channeling that like Usain Bolt level like you know sort of colors of the of the Dortmund jersey. I have no idea what's going on, Jaden's dude. No. <laughs> yeah, how is it possible? Jaden Sancho's getting slower, so maybe there's right, like a there's succubus like a rogue situation. Kind of situation. Going <clears throat> yeah, there's something something going on. Well, we're grateful for it. There's a couple peeps uh, coming up here that are no contest. There is no contest. Uh, for these next two peeps, there's no debate. The first is the Jurgen Klinsmann Nastiest Jerk of the Year Award, uh, which of course goes to uh, COVID, COVID-19, <laughs> Corona. Slam dunk. Corona, COVID. Rona, slam dunk. Oh my God. Uh, we, we've, we've blessedly managed not to bring up the, the virus uh, yet this episode, and uh, this is the only place that conversation of such things belong. It's in the Jurgen Klinsmann Nastiest Jerk of the Year Award. Hopefully, uh, this will be a more contested peep next year. Up next, for no contest, we have the People's Peep, which is going to become the People's Peeps. Why? Because we have a bunch of winners here. Um, I hope you're still with us. Uh, if your name is about to be mentioned, congratulations to Eric and Aaron Teets. Tissue Ah, who completed the email challenge of getting someone else into the show and having both email us. Uh, They did it. You did it. You are winning a people's peep for that, um, for being, I have you listed as for being brothers who got each other into a show about brothers who got each other into hosting a show about a bad soccer team. (laughs) Let's go. Congratulations. I just want to mention also that if, if you emailed and I'm missing it, if you, I will submit you, you'll get two next year. Just email again. <laughs> Eric and Aaron they, definitely emailed these beautiful brothers and have been, have been just wonderful, fantastic fans of the show. So we, we, we are very gracious, great, grateful. We, we are not gracious you. enough. We are not gracious enough about our gratitude. 
Um, wow. Eric and Aaron Teets, that's what's up. Thank you so much. Also, of course, this year, uh, we have People's Peeps going out to our intrepid peeps, as you may or may not know. We did start a Patreon. Uh, it is uh, for $5 a month, um, but I did make a mistake in, when I first listed it, and I listed it in a strange and confusing way, <laughs> but there were two people <laughs> who managed in spite of that, in spite of Louisville all City odds. had the rights. <laughs> to the Patreon. In spite, in spite of all odds, they went to patreon.com forward slash WTP pod and became intrepid peeps, the first ever uh, peeps uh, on our Patreon. It's MJ Lee, what's up? And Gail Sumano. Thank you guys both Thank so you. much. People's peeps to Thank you. you People's peeps to you. Thank you for the monies. <laughs> for the Jurgen books. Uh, we, we, you mean the world to us, and, and you always will. Um, that, you can now become a ratified peep if you go to the uh, link I mentioned, but you can never become an intrepid peep again. That's only for MJ Lee and Gail Sumano. All right, moving on. We have the most important peep of every year. Okay, this is the, this is the, uh, Ty, how do we phrase this? It's the, it's the, for, for exemplifying the WTP lifestyle? This is the, yeah, this is, is, the, is the, the person who most exemplified the WTP lifestyle past, what were some past winners? Um, uh, we had the ball kid. Yeah, the Cuban who, ball kid who, who, um, <laughs> who blew off Michael Bradley, if I recall. Something, yeah, that's something like that. Who else have we had? I, I can't, that's one of the most memorable. It's so important, guys. The Colton Beep <laughs> is so important. We, I think we've given we it remember, to Dempsey for just being amazing have, and being something like that. Yeah. But so it's it's outside of the game. This is bigger than the game, folks. This is symbolic. This is, this is, uh, it's a certain je ne sais quoi, it's a certain flavor. To your fandom or to your, you know, participation in U.S. soccer, um, one one which you can really only truly understand uh, through the lens of We the Peeps. Thank you all for joining us for this year's Peep Awards. It's been a pleasure. Without further ado, uh, the nominees for the Golden Peep are Weston McKenney for doing the Italian hands thing, Allora! not for his play. <laughs> For doing the Italian hands thing, uh, in, in mid-game, frustrated <laughs> by by a referee's call or something. I forget what it was. But the dude had he been did there the for actual... like forty-five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and he started doing the Italian it's hands. Like a, thing. Like an exchange student who starts answering the phone. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Weston, for that moment of of brilliance and joy. We've also got Io Akinola for kneeling and raising a fist. After scoring his first ever USMNT goal. Wow. You are the peeps, my guy. Straight up. Well done. You, you, made our, you made the world a better place in that moment, Io Akinola. And lastly, we have Reggie. Why? Not for his play, not for his transfers, but because he said that he loves doing interviews. <laughs> Upon being, you know, the, there was, there's a perfunctory, the, the reflexive, thank you for taking the time to talk to us at the beginning of a question. Reggie Cannon interrupts the, the questioner and says, oh, of course, I love doing these. Who says that? <laughs> Who in sports loves doing the interviews? Reggie Cannon, of course. Uh, we're open for write-ins, folks. I'm going to start with you, Ty. Who's your golden peep? For the year, so um, in the process of doing my own uh, protest about uh, injustice about regarding COVID, 
I missed this moment of Io Akinola scoring and doing this. So I didn't know that this happened until I just read about it from you. But you heard that, it here first, folks. I heard it here first. That is incredibly inspiring. I had been waiting to see what the response of the national team programs would be in the wake of uh, all of the attention that was paid to the Black Lives Matter movement over the summer. Because of the circumstances, it didn't get to have the same profile that it could have otherwise had. You know, imagine uh, the Olympics, for instance, being a venue to spread that message. And I am in full support. I think the entire team um, needs to be 100% behind uh, promoting racial justice in the country. And that should be supported from the top down in a very explicit and clear manner. So I would definitely like to give this to Io Akinola. I would also like to mention Reggie Cannon as a, a co-winner of this peep, because Reggie Cannon was one of the most uh, sort of vocal people about this issue during this year. One of the one of the players who came out the hardest and said that everybody needs to get behind the Black Lives Matter movement, and he paid a price. He was booed by FC Dallas fans. Uh, when they took a knee for the national anthem in one of their, I think it was their their very first match um, back at home with the crowd. And he he went off on the fans after the game, which was completely fair and justified. Uh, this is something that that we can no longer um, ignore. And it's it's not okay to say that these are athletes and they just need to play and they're for our entertainment. They're not. They're human beings. They deserve the full dignity of... Uh, of, of anyone. And, and so these, these players have been vocal in fighting uh, against injustice. And I think it's a, a perfect way to, uh, to celebrate by giving the, the golden peep. And I think the WTP lifestyle, um, you know, we, we are no, nowhere close to doing everything that we, we should to, to fight for justice, but we absolutely believe wholeheartedly in, in that kind of um, mission. And it's not a political thing. It's a, it's a human being thing. And we're, we're glad to support. So easy peep to IO easy as a peep. representative of this movement. Whew. Kwame, what do you, what's your take here? Uh, yeah, I pretty much, uh, I pretty much agree. I, I also didn't know about that moment, um, uh, till, you know, we, as Ty just said, um, and yeah, I think that 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 summary uh, matches my feelings um, pretty closely. So uh, I would agree. I think it's hard to fight it. It's too bad that nobody noticed it. It did happen very quickly, and it kind of didn't. It didn't land uh, quite as much as I would have liked for it to. And it was on possibly the the least important game that the U.S. <laughs> has ever played. Um, but it. But I I caught it. I saw it. And, and, and I'm so glad that I did so that we can bring it up today and just make sure that, that there's a little bit of spotlight, a little tiny golden peep spotlight on this very meaningful moment uh, to me and I hope to Ayo Akinola as well. The golden peep goes to you, my bruv. And if you decide to play for Canada, we're taking it back. Right. <laughs> uh, leverage, leverage. <laughs> <laughs> Any last words here? I think we've just about done it. 2020, goodbye. Um, you know, goodbye forever, never, never to return. We're, we're moving on to 2021. I had a feeling that 2020 was going to be good for the Nats. And uh, I have to say, in summary, I think it was. I think uh, it was, was bad too. for almost everything, but yeah. it was pretty good for the Nats. 
Yeah. And I, I wanted to mention uh, in regards to our jerk of the year, uh, COVID-19, that this was easily the weirdest year of soccer watching we're ever going to experience. Long breaks and, you know, the absence of games and games being played in front of empty stadiums becoming the norm and seeing, you know, socially distant substitutes in the stands with masks, on, like <laughs> branded masks. It's just, it's so apocalyptic and bizarre. Um, and, you know, I've had my problems with the, the uh, persistence of, uh, of doing sports at times during this pandemic, but I think that there have been moments where the presence of sports has been important and has been something that has uplifted people and given people a reason to hope and something to bind them to their community, even, even from afar. I think there are appropriate ways to do it. Uh, it, it, we, we don't have to be doing every friendly, but I think it can be done in a way that is safe and, um, and sensible during, during the pandemic. And I see in our efforts to maintain sports, a certain amount of, uh, resilience on the part of humanity that I am proud of. And sports is one of those beautiful things that, you know, it's, it's the most, the most important, unimportant thing, right? And I, I felt that very, very keenly this year, being able to turn on the TV and, and you know, enjoy um, soccer on a, on a Saturday uh, has, has brought joy to my, my quarantine. And even looking back at old games has done the same. So it's been such an odd year to be a sports fan. I will always remember it, but I think it had, it had its own share of positives, uh, despite the, the tragic nature of circumstances. Kwamdas? Um, yeah. I, 2020 was, I think, a difficult year. I think that, um, as we said, you know, sports really had a, had a vital role, I think, in pe- keeping up people's spirits, giving us things to be excited and hopeful about, <laughs> something to mark the passage of time <laughs> at times. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think, yeah. you know, I think that, um, I think that it is good as for us to continually evaluate its role, its place, you know, in our lives and other people's lives, how to um, use sport in a way that brings about change for people, whether that's personal change or generational change or, you know, um, or or social change. Um, And I think as long as we continue to keep our eye on on that um into 2021 then i'm you know then i'm hopeful and optimistic about what's to come let's go nats let's go nats folks i totally like it when i step outside onto some frosty uh, grass you know uh, and there's just a little crunch um don't i don't like being cold but i do like the crunch uh i very much like um, a, a smooth and reflective surface, be it glass, be it ice, yes, there's a theme, or, uh, or be it, uh, you know, uh, water, which is different than ice, all right? <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Uh, and <laughs> shut up. And I totally enjoy um, just, a, just a, little, uh, a little aloe vera gel uh, when the moment is right, you know, it can really do wonders uh, for, for the body and the mind, why not? But I don't love any of that stuff. As much as I absolutely love the Nats. Let's go, boys. And girls. Let's go, everyone. (laughs) It's We the People.